From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in still temperate, still bikeable Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this anniversary special, we talk about some of the previous topics from Nice Games Club's first year in your ears, including what we talked about on our very first episode. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. One year. Woo! Yay! Would, would you say we're still in this? Yes, we are indeed still in this. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm not sure exactly if this will be released on the one-year anniversary of the first episode's release. Because the way we did the first episodes, we built up a couple yeah. before we started publishing them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. we're, we're recording this as near as possible to the uh, one year um, since we recorded our very first episode, mm-hmm. which has a little bit of a fun, I mean, it's not that interesting a story, but it's, I mean, the listeners might want to know, Yeah. which is when we started this thing, we didn't really know what we were doing and how we were going to do it. So we're like, okay, we should record like four or five episodes and then put them all out. And then so that we can get on an iTunes listing and like, there's like lots of little like best practices to get these things out there. And so I think what we ended up doing is I, I think I published the first episode and then but we didn't tell anybody about it. And then the idea was that we'd publish a couple of them and then we'd start telling people about it. And then a friend of ours picked up on it and started telling <laughs> oh, people about it. That's right. And, and, and I think it was like, well, all right, I guess it's live now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. For they were actually really apologetic about it. Like, oh, I didn't know. We were, but actually, it worked out kind of. We, I mean, we really stumbled into this thing. But I think we, I mean, we know a lot more now, but like, I think we started off on pretty good footing in spite of the mistakes we made. <laughs> Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like yeah. to think so. <laughs> uh, I mean, no one's given us feedback in, in the feedback <laughs> form yet, so I haven't confirmed. <laughs> well, art has, right? Art has. Yeah. Indeed, art has. Thank goodness. Well, all the rest of you out there. What are you doing with your lives? Nicegames.club slash feedback. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> when people start quoting that at us as a thing that we do, I feel like we should stop doing that. <laughs> we can't let a... It's now a joke. It's not even a thing. Yeah. It's just a gag now on the program, which yep. is... That's all right. We have a couple mm-hmm. of those. Um, yeah. So anything else to say about... Before? I mean, we have a lot of interesting... We're going to revisit some topics, and we're going to get into that. But do we have anything else to like... Reminisce about up top before we get into that stuff. How many games have we released in the past? Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just as good as y'all. I haven't either. So. Well, technically one for I me. I released but... a, an app, sort of. Yeah. Sort of. It's not like, it's like a separate thing. Yeah. It's not, only like 15 people are using it. Uh-huh. I will say, though, in doing the notes for these to- uh, topic revisits, we've all come a long way yeah. in each of the topics we're talking about. Like We've taken the, the next step forward and that's pretty exciting so i think as a mark of our own personal development this the show has been a nice uh, hopefully listeners have followed along with us and maybe know better than we do how much <laughs> how much better we are than we do because <laughs> it's hard for us to see it you know yeah. um, and that really leads into our very first topic Stephen. imposter syndrome right which, talked about this on the first episode uh-huh it's the first thing we talked about yeah uh i mean yeah. that was part of the point of doing the show mm-hmm. right just to help people like, like um it was it was it was helpful to know that like uh, a lot of uh, people who listen to us, they they get something out of the show. Yeah. And so, like having an imposter syndrome, a lot of people brought up imposter syndrome as a favorite of theirs. Yeah. Um, yeah and that was our very first song. Yeah. <laughs> that means a whole lot. We peaked, uh, we peaked early. Yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. <laughs> oh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> um. So I, I I guess I wanted to bring up like uh, how I've like I've run my own talks. I will have a talk. I haven't done it yet, but after this recording, when this show is released, I'll have two talks done. And I've released an app. Uh, uh, I've designed a board game. I just finished designing a board game uh, just recently. 
I've worked for a game studio, an actual game studio, mm-hmm. and I still don't feel very accomplished. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Well, maybe those are not markers of accomplishment. Maybe. Right? It's, everyone defines it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think we talked a little bit about that in that episode. Yeah. Like how, I think imposter syndrome definitely comes from what, what you think other people define success as and that you don't measure up to that. And which is not necessarily always a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is you do want to look to others and to industry standards and to that sort of thing to, to, to judge yourself, to motivate yourself to move forward. But I think that it's really easy to be like, well, I'll never get there. And yeah. Stephen, and all you've done in this past year, you still sort of feel like that. It's, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a bummer, but it's also kind of a good sign that like, it's not, it's a feeling. It's not really a thing that the problem for you, mm. right? It's just, a, it, maybe you're always gonna have to carry it with you as we all are. Well, yeah, I suppose maybe I'm unique in that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to get into this on the show or not, <laughs> but like, I, I um, open yourself up. It's time. Oh, oh, oh dear. I don't like talking about my problems. Uh, <laughs> here as, as I made a topic about imposter syndrome what was I thinking yeah. uh, past Steven you fool <laughs> uh, I, I don't know I guess in general I don't have a high view of myself which I realize that other people are like yeah you're amazing Steven but I'm like eh, okay so, so not only are you have some low self esteem you also don't trust anybody Yes, because <laughs> I know a lot of people have been tell, have told you how great you are. I know. It's hard for you to believe, though. Yeah, it is. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Go, Steven. Go, Steven. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I think that's probably true of a lot of people. You don't see what other people see in yeah. you. I mean, you, you maybe hold yourself to a higher standard, maybe? I don't know. Yeah? I don't know. I don't know. This isn't the... <laughs> oh, Steven, Why don't you lay down? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Tell me how you feel. <laughs> uh, let us know your thoughts on Steven at nice games. <laughs> give, give us your Steven thoughts. You oh, know, that might goodness. be the thing that makes it work. Oh my goodness. Okay. But are other people still suffering from imposter syndrome? Or is it just me? <laughs> well, I haven't worked on a game this whole time. So <laughs> ah. <laughs> we did a game jam. That's true. Yeah, but we don't really count those so much, do we? Um, also, the pre the like, the thinking process and the figuring out what you're trying to do is working on the game. True, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess because I'm still in that stage, it doesn't feel like like no assets have been made or code written. So right. I still feel like, well, yeah, I'm a game developer with a game development podcast, but I haven't actually game developed. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, so that's the imposter syndrome I have. I mean, you're I mean, you're a busy person. You have lots of things to do. I mean, is there is there anything more than that that's keeping you from moving forward? Like is pretty it, much that's it. Pretty much that's it. Okay. I like so things, feel to too do bad. too many things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said in a previous episode that you you you'll, you'll dive into like little hobbies all the time. That you're a Renaissance person. Yeah. And I I can totally see that like keeping you from being focused. <laughs> Does it help at all that like we Stephen and I are anxiously awaiting? The game that you you you've, you've uh, well, I mean yes, <laughs> I have. Um, I just bought a Cintiq, Ooh. and so I've been drawing. I have drawn some assets in now. Hey, so lovely! It's exciting. Cough, cough, share. Cough, cough. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not ready for the light yet. Oh, okay. we'll, we'll check in with you on our two-year anniversary show. Okay. <laughs> Come back to me. Yeah, I definitely still feel it. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, my game has made progress in the last year. In a way that's hard for anyone else but me to see, and that actually is kind of stressing me out. Oh, um, 
Yeah, because like the biggest thing I've done in the past year is I've ported my code base to a new version of my of the uh, rendering engine that I'm using. Right, and I remember that was an intense process. It was months of just this thing not working. Like I could not show it to anybody because it was broken. Mm -hmm. I'd have to pull out an old build. And I finally finished that probably at the beginning of the summer, maybe. And um, man, it's it's been a big, like there are problems I used to have with the game where I would run it off of like a pretty powerful laptop and it would like, it would just, chug to 40 frames a second or something for a while and I don't have uh, frame independent motion in mine in my game mm. which is a little bit of a mistake but um, it actually also lets me like tells me how when my frame rate drops like I totally know it mm. um, but it's solid 60 now on low end hardware it's great it's I haven't had a problem with it in months and months and months and I'm I'm sort of done feeling proud of that and it's it's now it's been a while since I finished that big part of it and um, I was always telling myself at that point, that's when I'm going to get back to doing more content, uh, getting more of the art styles in the game, starting to really work on the cutscenes and the first single player mode in my game. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I don't know, I've been kind of slow on it. And I've, I've set it aside to work on the holodeck uh, project I did over the summer and uh, putting together a check build, which is this website that I was, I've talked about on the show a little bit. And uh, uh, the past couple of weeks, I've done some more work on it, uh-huh. but actually only because I've stepped away from the things I stepped away from my game to. So I don't know. I feel, I don't know. I don't feel great about it. Yeah. Um, I still feel, I, I, when people ask, like I was at a wedding this weekend, my brother got married and it was awesome. Mm. Um, but a bunch of people who I don't see a lot, but like see me on Facebook or Twitter or something are asking me like, oh, how's that, how's your game going? How's that project? And I'd be like, how do I do this in a small talk way? Yeah. Without like lying to them. Like, it's great. It's going to be out soon. Like, yep. or, or like, no, it's in that slog that every game developer has. Let me tell you about how game developers work. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But I think the shorthand I tell people is like, I'm in that last third where there's, it's kind of, it's a slog and it's tough and it's, it's it'll come soon. Uh-huh. Um, but that feels a little bit like just a thing I say now. Like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and I, and I, I, I'd be also because like a couple people in the community are getting really close to release or releasing or have released. Yeah. And I'm starting to feel I'm starting to feel like I'm falling behind. Yeah, and that's a it's a I don't I don't really I don't think I'm falling behind. I feel it, Mm. right? Right, because you're not. I don't. I mean, maybe I am, but I I don't. I don't think so. I I give. I have enough excuses, and I think they're legitimate. Like I think Mm -hmm. I'm doing. I think I'm doing fine, but I feel I feel like I'm not measuring up at this point. My standards are higher than they were last year. Mm. That's the problem with imposter syndrome is you can never catch it. Yeah, it's always going to be. Whatever you are, you're always you always feel like you're an imposter to the next step because you're in that you're part of that pe- that peer group or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know it's a it's a motivator, I guess. It's also a total bummer. Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, I was reading an article which I'll link in the show notes. Um, but this person was talking about how she doesn't think that we should label what we feel as imposter imposter syndrome as a syndrome. Mm -hmm. Cause she's like, it's normal not to know what you're doing. Like it's normal not to, to not know everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and being humbled to the fact that you don't know everything, um, instead of labeling it something wrong with you, like being confident all the time, isn't necessarily a virtue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it will keep you from seeing things that you wouldn't have if you would if you had admitted that oh I don't know everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe I need you know maybe mm-hmm. you know I'm gonna go look this thing up because I want I need to know it yeah um and so yeah so I thought that was I read that recently I was like that's really interesting because mm-hmm. she's like yeah we need more like 
humbleness <laughs> in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the, she was talking about the tech industry in general. Yeah. Right. Um, not necessarily games specifically, but yeah, I think uh, certainly the little I've spent in both of those circles, the games community is so much more friendly than the tech community at large. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because there's more money in the tech community and people are really fighting over real money uh, uh, and they're competing more directly. Games don't necessarily compete with each other as much, uh, certainly at, at the sort of startup level that, that tech does. And so, because mm-hmm. you're not just competing against the people who are in your space, but also for the venture capital money, for the attention, for all that stuff. And games is a little different than that. Um, and so I could see that, I can see imposter syndrome becoming much more of a serious psychosis <laughs> in, in, in like a tech startup kind of environment. Oh, yeah, uh, I suppose so. And so, we, yeah, we tend, to, we tend to have kind of a, oh, it's, it's all fine, it's normal to feel. But like, you're, you're, that's a good point with that article. It's like, we should really change the way we talk about it as well. Yeah, like yeah, her point was that it was it's not something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think that like we all are doing good. Mm-hmm. Go team. Go team. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it just takes time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, oh, I think in the first show we did the same thing. We like bummed our way to the yep. next yeah. topic. <laughs> yep. um, so um You can do it, everybody. <laughs> if you're working on your game and you feel like you're not Doing as much as you need to. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We're all we're all there with you. And I have to say, uh, I feel. I mean, I f- feel a little bit about this as a podcaster, right? Oh. Like we're a small show, um, and sometimes I feel like we're not. You know, and I, I'm a heavy podcast consumer, so I judge myself against that. And ah. It's like, but we're very small time. And the thing about podcasts is so interesting is it, it, everyone gets released into the same market. There's no upper tier, lower tier. You don't have to like. You know, there's no steam. You know, you just have yeah. an RSS feed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's one of the great democratizing things about podcasting. But it also means that you can very directly compare yourselves to the biggest names in the field. Mm. So I feel a little that. And I do, ho- I do, I love to hear when people say like, oh, I listen to your show and I, I, I like this part of it or this helped me out or, or it's just a comforting listener. Or, you guys are funny. Like that stuff is so great. So like, um, you know, nicegames.club slash feedback. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing it back, Martha. <laughs> It'll never die. No, I'm just burning it out in this one. It's going to be nothing after this. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's get into my topic from the first episode. Um, At that time, I had just come back from a month of games conferences, Mm -hmm. uh, games and and other types of conferences. I I did Oculus Connect, I went to IndieCade, and I went to Adobe Max, which is a, uh, it's called the Creativity Conference. It's put on by Adobe. And uh, I go to that every year. I've been going to that long, much longer than I've been a game developer. And uh, this year, I didn't go to Oculus. I didn't go to IndieCade. I did go to I did go to Adobe Max again, and it was great. I had more fun at Adobe Max this year than I had in many many years, despite the fact that it was in Las Vegas. And I hate Las Vegas. <laughs> like I don't drink, I don't gamble. There's nothing in Vegas for me. I go there, and it just feels like the whole thing is made out of cardboard. It just like being in that city, and it's dry, and it's like everything is so crass. Dale and I got into the hotel and uh, we checked in and we're trying to get out of the casino to get to the elevators, right? Because they make you pass through all of it. Uh-huh. Like play some slots on the way to the, your room. And um, I'm being really cynical about it. But uh, we walked through and someone stopped us and said, checking in or checking out? And we're like, well, we're checking in, but we already did. And we were so confused as to what this was about. And they were like, have you decided what shows you're going to see? And I'm like, I, yeah, we sort of did all that stuff. And they're like, well, let's see if we give you some discounts and uh, like some free things. And like they had like a hotel staff badge thing on. And I'm like, we didn't know. We were just very naive to this. And this is, all these hotels have them. They have basically, they're trying to sell us a timeshare. Oh, which is like, I didn't, I I know that scam, but I had no idea that it's just every hotel in Las Vegas has a desk to grab married couples. They're like, like, those who are married, they're checking in. We can see if we can, you know, and basically what they do is like, come to our presentation. Well, but what it was is the guy, 
spent like five minutes and we were so confused. Yeah. So he obviously, I think he was like, don't you guys understand what this is? But like, <laughs> we were so confused and he's telling us all about like, okay, well, how about this show, this show? And we're like, no, 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 we don't like, cause we don't like Las Vegas, Las Vegas. So like, no, we don't need, you know, uh, we don't, we're not, we don't want to go to this uh, fancy steakhouse. Like we don't want any of these like little, uh, 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 mementos, but we mm-hmm. felt like, well, they're going to give us something, I guess, for staying here. Like we were so dumb about it. And then finally at the end, he's like, well, here's what it would. And then like, oh, that's what this is. And then we're, we're like, and we just walk, and he walked away and you, we, I could see him tear up the sheet of paper he was Dang. stretching on. Like it's such a, like a, a routine for this yeah. guy. And it felt, oh, it felt so terrible. I hate Las Vegas so much. <laughs> Everything about it is the worst, but that was a really long preamble. So I had a great time at Adobe Max. I finally learned Illustrator. So, you yay. know, yay for me. I've been, so I, I go to this conference every year because I'm a heavy user of Adobe's products. I use, uh, you know, I, I, I program an action script, which is an Adobe runtime. I, I do a, a Premiere and After Effects for all my video work. It's where I've made most of the money in my life is using Adobe products. So we uh, edit this podcast on in Adobe Audition. So like, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm not brand loyal to a lot of things, but Adobe has actually treated me very well. Like it's responsible for so much of what I've been able to do as a creative person. And so I, I give them a lot of leeway and a lot of credit and, and sort of follow them where they go. Uh, and I'm happy to admit that. And so um, I, I always get a lot out of this conference, but Illustrator, I've never been good at Illustrator. I always do my vector drawing in Animate, which is another of their, their products. And, but finally, man, they just updated like a little tweak to the UI this year. And I went to a bunch of sessions and like, I'm all in now. I'm so, <laughs> it's amazing. Cause uh, with Adobe Max, like I don't go to any of the video sessions anymore. Cause there's nothing for me to learn there, which sounds a little boastful, but there just isn't. And I always try to do other things when they have new products. I like to learn about those and, um, but man, I know Illustrator now. And I'm so proud of myself. So like, <laughs> I don't feel like an imposter in that sense, <laughs> Yay! which is pretty good. But the other tool, and I wanted to, the reason, really the reason I wanted to mention it on the show now is the other tool is a brand new tool that Adobe has called Adobe XD, which is called Adobe experience design. And it's essentially just a prototyping tool. It's meant for, uh, designers, not developers to create like sort of slideshow versions of websites so they can do client presentations. Uh, and then it's yeah. not. And I, I'm a designer developer. So when I design things, it needs to be moved directly into production. And I don't like the idea of like, like I hate like storyboards that then you have to rebuild them in code. And like Martha, as a developer, you probably get design files that you then have to recreate it with tech, right? Well, I mean, I get them for myself because oh, I that's also right. Because you, yeah, because you're, you're, yeah, okay. <laughs> but yes, yes. Yeah, that workflow is such that, but the thing about this tool is that um, it is expressly a prototyping tool. And the, this last year on the show, we've been talking so much about it. And Stephen, you'll be mentioning it later as well. Will. Um, uh, prototyping is so valuable. And definitely, uh, Martha, I want you to be using this tool to prototype your point and click because it's basically just HyperCard. It's just like slideshows. It's very simple. You can get your stuff out and you can visualize the whole like structure of it. Like these prototyping tools are not new, but, um, but this one is particularly streamlined and it's very easy to use. And I had a blast figuring it out. And it's so new and simple that you can master it in an afternoon. It's not Photoshop. You can get it all figured out. And you could do the whole uh, puzzle dependency graph that we talked about for like point and click games. Oh. You can do that in this prototype. And then you can decide what engine do I want to do? What are my animation needs? What kind of uh, development uh, workflow do I want? What kind of assets are going to be using? You do that all that after the fact. You can like, if you're in that prototyping mindset, I know that's a lot of trouble for people when they want to start making games is they have the, okay, what are the, what's my tool chain? What's, what, what, you know, how am I going to make my assets 2D or 3D? Like those are decisions you make you feel like you have to make right away to start making your prototypes even, uh-huh. even if you're going to throw them away. Uh-huh. But I think having an explicit prototyping tool, I've sort of, I'm really pleased about that. So I'm going to start using that for like my next VR project is going to be sort of puzzle rooms is, is my, my idea for it. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be using this to map out the, the sort of like narrative 
plot of 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 the game before I even start putting together like a demo for it. Uh, and I, so Martha, I think you would really like that. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, for those yeah. Interested. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, you know, uh, so I, I spoke at more conferences than I went to this year, which oh, is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, yeah, and the different types of talks. I, I gave a sort of like roundtable-y sort of soft talk at GlitchCon. We, we've mentioned that on the show. You can go back and listen to that. Um, and then uh, just recently, we, uh, Stephen, you and I went to MDev, yep. uh, this new conference in Madison, and uh, I did a programming talk. It's the first tentacle talk I've ever given. And it went pretty well, and I'm pretty pleased with myself. So like, um, it, I don't know. I, 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 want, I do I want to talk at more things. I think, and this yeah. show has certainly helped me uh, with that, like knowing that, you know, people are sort of interested in what I have to say. And I, ha- I, I, do, ha- I do have a lot to say. That should be obvious to listeners. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I had a great time at, at, at those things. But I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to GDC next year again, but I'm, I don't know if I'm going to ever go to Indicate again. I, don't, I think I'm just going to try to optimize more. I, I'm, no, I'm no longer going to everything I can. Yeah, I think it's the real difference. Makes sense. Yeah, well, um, I mean, do you guys like? I mean, uh, you guys, you guys have been to GDC or to other conferences. Um, like, what's your? Ad- I mean, they're expensive, so that keeps you from going to all of them, yeah. right? Um, I, that's I've certainly noticed that this year. I spent a lot less money on it. <laughs> that's been nice. I guess um, I'm starting to feel down on conferences, to be honest. Yeah, like uh, I don't know. I a lot. Of, I, I think a lot of the reasons. The, I th- I feel like there are two reasons why people go to conferences: to learn a bunch of stuff or to network. Mm-hmm. And I don't like networking because it feels like and learning is just okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I like learning, but <laughs> but like networking always just feels like a bunch of interactions where you can get something out of somebody else, mm-hmm. and that's not satisfying to me at all. Yeah. Um. And the con- the the talks and stuff are interesting too, but uh, sometimes the content sometimes like you go to a talk and it's just not a good talk or it's yeah. not really relevant to what you thought you wanted from it, and then sometimes it's amazing. It, it always feels like it's either. A really good talk or a eh, talk. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like conferences are kind of hit and miss. That's true. I like conferences. I like conferences because I like to be with people I enjoy being with. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times when I go to a conference, uh, there will be people I know. And I could talk to them about stuff that happened in the conference. Mm-hmm. So that's that's fun. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, our industry is interesting because I mean, if we're, especially for independent developers, because we have to pay our own way to these things, mm-hmm. and uh, for the most part, anyway. Um, sometimes you get help, like organizations like Glitch. Right, Glitch will uh, for, has GDC tickets they get every year and they give out to people, um, which is awesome. The first time that I went to GDC when we went, uh, it was through that program, and I'm so thankful for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's not like uh, other types of conferences which are paid for by your employer. Um, yeah, if you, it's great if you can get it, you can swing it, but. Um, it's uh, dope, man. Adobe Max. Almost everyone there is paid for by their employer, uh, and so it's. Uh, I would. I. I'd, I'd hang out with someone in a, in a line for a, a session or something, and I'd be like, "What else are you gonna do?" And they're like, "I might just blow off the rest of the day," and I would just want to punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> like someone paid for you to be here. Mm. Anyway, I, I still really like conferences, um, and I agree with Mark that speaking at more of them would be really fun. Mm-hmm. I talked at GlitchCon and that was really great. That went great, didn't it? Yeah. yeah people seem to like it, so <laughs> I should do another, I should hone that talk. Um, and yeah, and my dad has been super inspiring because he's been, he talks at a lot of different game, not game development things, but mm-hmm. game um, conventions and mm-hmm. stuff like that uh, about his board game from back in the day. And um, ColecoVision stuff mm-hmm. and like he's so he's gotten so good at speaking yeah like when we were kids we were all like like you know would never expect him to 
be like that because he's so quiet and likes to hide in his basement and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's gotten so good at talking. Yeah. Uh, and it's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yay, dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a similar uh, journey that you had, Stephen. Like, you're a little shyer, but you're so much more. I mean, you have so much to share. And I'm glad you're in a place now that you're able to do it. I, yeah. <laughs> There goes imposter syndrome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do have a lot to share, and I'm feeling more comfortable sharing it now than I was in the past. Mm-hmm. So it, it has helped. Uh, yeah, and my talk at GitchCon also went well. So we should all just, we should do a nice games club talk. Yeah. That would be cool. Not just like a live podcast, but we should. Just like a grab bag where we each have a topic and we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. We, <laughs> huh. cool. we can do it as a talk and then we can record it and then we can, don't have to do an episode that <laughs> week. <laughs> yes. I love that idea. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, yeah. It, I guess that, that is that is a nice thing about conferences. Me and my brother are going to um, try for a talk at Mini Webcom this year. Hmm. Oh. Um, talking about our VR stuff, oh. which. Could be it's a, a good, good transition. transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the topics that I talked about at the, on the first episode was VR development because um, I'd just gotten a Vive and it was awesome. <laughs> um, Update. Still awesome? Still awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we've been working on some, me and my brother Henry have been working on a bunch of VR movement experiment, experiments. Mm. Um, he first started working on Assault on Leviathan, which I think we talked about on uh, the first episode. Um, it's his Attack on Titan inspired game where you... <laughs> you uh, inspired um, is the key word, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his uh, innovation was to make... Uh, so to move, you like push your arms back like you're skiing, like you have two ski poles and that like rockets you forward. Um, which worked pretty well uh, for some people, um, <laughs> but especially not when you landed uh, and when you, because you would like push yourself up into the air because yeah. you're trying to defeat these giant monster things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you ran into something or landed on the ground, it like it felt like your legs were jelly all of yeah. a sudden. Mm. Um, so now we were like, we've, decided to team up and start working on a DDR mat movement uh, input system, mm-hmm. which has been working really well so far. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm excited to work more on it. Uh, there hasn't been very many movement f- like sickness feeling while we're using it. Yeah, um, that's good. Which is super cool. Yeah. So what we do is we like when you stand on two of the, DDR mat things in a very balanced position, you'll start moving. Um, and uh, that is, has like the only thing that made me feel sick was there was also something moving. Like in Unity, now you can make these tree prototypes, like mm-hmm. they can just make trees. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it was glitching out. So anytime I moved my head, the tree would also move. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. <laughs> That was bad, but the movement seems to be working. So we're going to keep working more on that. Um, now the problem is that you lose the mat, and so you don't know where it is oh, because like you can't actually space, see yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, but we're excited to work on that more, mm-hmm. um, and we think maybe getting a, a t- like we're going to talk about it. So we actually have to get together and work on it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd like. Yeah, I think a um, IGDA talk on that with a demo would be really successful. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> so yeah. 
Um, what else? VR. Um, super hot VR is a thing. It's so good. It is so good. I, yeah, I don't really like VR very much, but I do like super hot VR. I'm glad because I, I thought you would. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one's fun. But I don't like it because of a lot of reasons why people like VR. I don't find it immersive. I think it's mm-hmm. kind of just fun. <laughs> yeah, it's just actiony and stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Makes you feel like a superhero or right. Neo from Yeah, from <laughs> the I, Matrix. I would keep. I would keep like um, dying at a certain point or whatever, and then I would just like oh, I'd just go through the motions, and I just felt really cool. But I was just bored doing it. <laughs> it was a weird, cool sensation where like I was bored doing cool things. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, all action heroes who are really good, they look bored. That must be, yeah. That must Fun punch. You know, Vin Diesel feels every day. <laughs> just goes around his day just doing regular stuff. I've been hosting a VR night here at Glitch once right. a month, past couple of months, and uh, where we just have a bunch of people come in to play VR games and to show off their VR games. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Super Hot is the one we just say, like, I've never done VR, which are super hot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it never fails. So good. Yeah. But like there's some people have different uh, reactions to the first thing they do. Um, someone came in and was like, I, I heard that Google Earth VR is great. That's right. Because yeah. I actually, I read an, I must have read the same article I did about this, which is someone said like, I did Google v- Earth VR and now I'm a believer, right? Oh, like there's right. someone who'd done a bunch of VR and was just thought it was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And then this is what sold them. And then I tried Google Earth VR and I'm like, this is really cool. But like, I don't know how this unlocked it for anybody, but it's everyone approaches differently. So I think this person came in and said, I want to try that. And so we loaded it up for them and they were just like, you couldn't tear them away. Like they really, it really sold them. Yeah. And it's, it's just different for everybody. Yeah. I think that's what it is. You just have to find the magic VR game. Yeah. Um, Beach Ball Valley. <laughs> Actually, that one kind of works for everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one to show people. Because you just hit Beach Balls. Yeah. We talked about on the show before, but our friend Paul uh, made that. It's, it's like, it's, it's a sandboxy toy box kind of game and it's a place for him to put a lot of his like fun ideas. Um, which is great. And it's just, you're in this valley and you have these giant pizza paddles and you just whack beach balls all over the place. It has mini games now. Like he keeps updating it. it. Yeah. Ooh. It's, I have to it's, go back and play it again. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> we'll link that. Cause like, that's a great game. Mm-hmm. Everyone should try that. It's a good, it actually is a good first VR experience. Cause it's like very, it's welcoming. It's not, you know what I mean? It's so happy. Yeah. It's, it's like you just walked into the default, uh, windows background. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It makes no demands on the user, which I think that scares people from VR a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, am I doing it right? Because, you know, like, you have to worry about the physical space and the things you're holding in your hands and, like, all, all that, like, can feel kind of intimidating, even, like, not in a real, like, strong sense, but in, like, a passive sense that can kind of ruin the whole experience. But Beach Ball Valley, it just is, like, it asks nothing of you. It's like, enjoy yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's great about it. The gold standard of VR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, introducing people to VR is still the best. Like yeah. just watching them for the first time uh, is super cool. Um, another thing that I've seen that seems like there's a lot of potential for really cool stuff is like tools for making stuff. Yeah. Like um, blocks for uh, by Google came out, uh, which is a 3D modeling sort of thing uh, for VR. And it's really fun. Yeah. And I could see how you could make, like you can export all the things you make. So you could make a lot of prototypes for 3D stuff really quickly in it mm-hmm. or really easily for people who don't know. Like it's really hard to do Maya or, or even yeah. Blender is like, like all the keys are different and it's just hard to even know what to do. Yeah. Um, but it, being able to walk around your creation is really cool and like physically yeah. pull out the things that you want to pull out. Yeah, it's cool. I definitely want to use like I'm very bad at like um at that stuff. There's um tilt brush 
and Oculus has a tool called Medium. And I've tried all those, but I am I'm much more a graphic designer. So I have the hardest time being expressive as a as an artist in that way. I I can sketch, I can draw, but like that's because I've been doing it for years and years. I don't have any experience in this sense. And I get very I move it like I just want to move this like half an inch. There's no tool to tweak that way. It's meant yeah. to be like free flowing and stream of consciousness. And so I have a hard time with that. But um, I do a lot of little like doodles that I then then I then I do the final version later when I'm doing graphic design or, or illustration. And I would love to use blocks to like design levels, right? To like yeah. just sketch up a rough kind of outline, walk around it, get a feel, prototype it like you've done, Martha. And um, and then then either take export that into a tool and make it for real or tweak it or whatever. Um, I got to find myself a workflow to make that work because that feels like I could do it. Like, yeah, I really want like I hope that someone some company develops something that could be as powerful as like Photoshop or Blender or whatever, but yeah. in VR, because I, that would just be so cool. Yeah. I could see it being really useful for people mm-hmm. for making other games. <laughs> well, uh, was it ooh, an accessory maker? It might be Logitech, might be Razer. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Um, it put, just put out a keyboard that has a vibe tracker on it. And then it also, it works with like leap motion. And so you can, and then it virtualizes the keyboard in your virtual space. Oh, cool. So like that, that's the thing that a tool like that needs is more robust interactions, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't just have your hands and triggers. Like there's too many things to click and then it becomes just too, especially when you have your hands floating in air, like that's just physically demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to be at your desk, you know, or maybe go back and forth, you know, like have more, you know, having keyboard shortcuts like, yeah. is a big deal. Um, so like more tools like that. It seems silly, but like, you're like, oh yeah, you know what? That really could unlock a lot. Uh, I think the, first market for it is like mouse and keyboard games which is yeah. like that's cool i guess but like because i'm not a mouse and keyboard game person i'm looking at it much more in the like man that powerful array of keys to do lots of stuff in tools you know that's awesome mm-hmm. um well you have a note here still can't make any money yeah there's like been a lot of um uh studios that were just vr studios that have closed down that yeah. i heard about or they got bought Right. Like Alchemy Labs got bought by Google. And that's a great story. That's a great story for them. Although weirdly, they probably didn't need to be bought. Like they yeah, were probably they were the they most were, popular VR. They were doing thing. okay. Yeah. Um, but good for them, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's probably why they got bought though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they were so popular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of times the sort of the, the the startup plan is to like have a proof of concept, get popular, and then have someone else buy you so that they can make the money off of it. Yeah. Um, but Alchemy Labs seemed sustainable. Um, I think it was, this was too good to be true. And like Google is so invested in it. And they're also platform agnostic, which is useful for a corporate owner. Yeah. So like Alchemy didn't have to like adjust their, they didn't have to cancel their PlayStation version, anything like that, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. That would have been awful. Mm-hmm. So my theory on why VR isn't making money is because it's just not accessible. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. It's not just, it, you, not just the equipment, but the software, the PC, you run it, the yeah. space you need for it. Yeah. Like, it's hard. Like Martha, you had to uh, dual purpose your dining room to yeah. make it work. And that meant you used it less, right? Uh, yes. Same with me. Like I, I go back and forth between my home office and Glitch. And so it's hard for me to have a permanent VR space. Um, and that's made it kind of tricky. Like it's just, it's not just the dollar amount of the headset. There's much right. more to it that makes it unaccessible. There's technical and logistical issues that are just very daunting for yeah. people to just even try out. And not only that, but like it doesn't, like it's really hard for to, 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 recognize what's cool about VR until you've tried it. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't tried it yet, then you're just not interested in it. Yeah. Like I hadn't tried it for the longest time. 
and I guess I'm still not that interested in it. But um, <laughs> before that, I was like, but I, I have real life. I can just do real life things. Who needs VR? Or I can play video games. Who needs VR? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah there hasn't been, um, there hasn't been, like, everyone, even people who are really into VR, you could take VR away from them and they would still, could still have a fulfilling life. Right. You know, it's not something anybody needs. And I think that recognizing that is actually important to its success. Instead of trying to convince people they need it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, video games are like that. No one needs video games, right? That's true. But even video games are much less. They're still fairly expensive, but they're much less of an. What's um, accessible? Yeah, it's That's more the, accessible. Yeah, yeah. It's more accessible. And it's like you know, everyone said, "Oh, we're in year two of this big revolution. Come back to us in thirty years." It's like, yeah, but what do we do now? Right. Like, I'm perfectly happy to trust that it will be more accessible later. But like, I'm not interested in waiting. Like, I want to be part of the getting it there. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, well, PlayStation VR is uh, pretty popular That's among true. people who have bought PlayStation. Isn't that yeah. the most popular VR? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people use it the most. Like mm-hmm. of of the, I think I read an article. Maybe we'll link it if I can find it again. <laughs> um, but that, um, that someone, some group did a study that found that uh, PlayStation. VR users use their PlayStation VR more than other VR owners use their other VR things. Hmm. That's not surprising. I would imagine with PlayStation VR, you just have to turn it on and put the headset on. Whereas yeah. with the other things, you got to set stuff up, got to make sure you got enough space. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of a yeah. Because PSVR, it's just a single camera. It's basically a Kinect, mm-hmm. uh, a depth sensing camera um, that you put on your TV. It probably are. It's probably already there. Um, and then, yeah, the, it's most of the things are designed to be seated or standing or like moving a foot. In, it's it's volume tracked, but like they don't expect you to have the space that a Vive does. And so that that makes a big difference because then developers can target towards a much more universal experience. Yep. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. The library on PSVR is good. It's got the mo- it's got the only like AAA stuff. Right. But it's not huge. I think it's just it, it's just easier. to It's easier to do. And I think that is matters more than the library. Yeah. Right. Yeah, ease of use is definitely the one of the other barriers. Mm-hmm. Is like to to people who have, have the resources to buy it, then don't use it because yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. The Microsoft poorly named mixed reality headsets. I got one of the dev units, and um, it it has the it's inside out tracking, and it works on a laptop. It's really accessible, um, and it's gonna it's gonna be Steam VR capable this winter. Oh, so oh. I think that is going to finally do it. I mean, if you can buy like uh, next year, a year from now, I mean, I know I'm talking about the future now, but um, uh, most laptops will be able to run it like with integrated Intel graphics. Uh, uh, I think maybe maybe a third of ones that are out there now can, but in a year or two, most will be able to run it, it to some level. Uh, they have two standards. They have like normal and ultra, you know, so they have a low end and a high end. Um, to, to allow, you know, so the low end is not, I think it's only 60 frames a second, which is like not great. I think it's interpolated for motion, but like the frame rate is still 60, which is like, that's the very lowest you can get on a VR headset and still be comfortable. But like, you know, if you only got a laptop that can power that, it's better than nothing. Um, the headsets are cheap. Um, it's inside out tracked. The tracking is incredible. It's all based on the HoloLens technology. Oh, and it's, cool. it's, it's a Microsoft, uh, um, it's a Microsoft spec that is that all these other headset makers are just putting in there. So it's standardized. And uh, Acer has a really cheap one. Samsung has a, a little more a premium one. So you can get in at whatever level is comfortable for you. The controllers are made by Microsoft, so they're standard. Um, and, uh, and once it's got the Steam library, because the Windows, uh, like universal platform stuff, there's not a lot of it. Um, I mean, and I think that's just a chicken and egg problem for that platform. Mm. But when it works with Steam VR, like you can play super hot on your laptop. 
with this thing for four hundred dollars. Like, uh, which is uh, Oculus is cheap now too. But like, I think that's going to be just having more options because the competition is good, but having people get in at different levels is also good. Yeah. Right. So I'm looking forward to that actually working for people. Yeah. Well, when you're making uh, VR things, you're going to need to prototype stuff. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Still bad at, at uh, transitions. Ne- ne- never get better at this. Oh, promise me that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, well, yeah. for, let's like, this, we're, this is the second half of the show now. Yes, we talk, that was our first episode. We revisited those topics. But now we're going to pick each a topic from the last year that sort of we wanted to just bring up again it's kind of another little look back at memory lane yeah i like that you put the title episodes or the name of the episodes in the in the, the section because i don't remember the context of pick up all the things yes <laughs> steve's gonna talk about your time of prototyping, yes, prototyping. And, uh, which is the topic you picked for our episode episode 19 which aired in march march 28th uh, 2017 mm-hmm. episode pick up all the things yes I still don't know the context. I, Martha said it, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a thing Martha would say, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember in that episode, I was like, man, prototypes are amazing. They're the best. Now I'm like, you know, they're, they're pretty good. They're good, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, the prototypes I've made in the past year haven't been super successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't made a lot and I haven't like shown off a lot of things, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I'm just like trying to explore stuff. And so yeah. I don't really want to share the prototypes because they, I just want to see what I can do and what is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. They like, they haven't been super interesting yet. Right. And maybe I haven't figured out the best way to prototype certain things. Cause sometimes I feel like paper prototyping isn't the best way to approach certain game, video game ideas. And sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> This <laughs> Did I say the opposite of that in the show? <laughs> this is—I mean—it is actually a, a big evolution of your feelings. Yeah, this, I suppose right? it is. Yes, it's good. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you learn as you go. <laughs> right. You should just use Adobe XD. <laughs> <laughs> How much is that? It's part of the Creative Cloud subscription. So uh, if you've got, I know, I know, I know. Okay, that's tough. <laughs> there are actually maybe we'll look and put in the show notes. There's other similar types of things because mm-hmm. it's it's not you know Adobe's not the only people who have thought of this. They've done it yeah, really well, I, but there are other tools that are available. Yeah, I remember looking into it a little bit. There are some uh, game design prototype things yeah. that you can mess with. It's just a great boon for people who already have access. Oh, to yeah, that stuff. totally, you know? definitely. Yeah. Um. Uh, how about y'all's prototypes? I, my, most, I mean, when I think of prototypes, I just think of the VR stuff I've done. Yeah, and I, I just haven't shown anything to anybody. Like, mm-hmm. It's too, it's too little. It's not really, it's not demoable. And that's, that's been, and all of it's just been a way to keep myself in, in it because I haven't had time to really address. Like Martha, I'm so jealous of the time you've taken. Like you were saying, like you're really down on yourself for like not doing game development, but you're way ahead of me on VR prototyping. Like I, I already know it. Like you're way ahead on that, and I, I'm super jealous. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> thanks, Henry. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Mostly, I've been working on those VR prototype things, um, just experimenting with all different types of movement stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we well, did your stuff in like uh, uh, Magic of Voxel, right? Right. Yeah, and that, I, that sort of peek through the wall VR thing you were talking about. You did that. You, how did you do that art? Uh, it was tilt brush. Tilt brush, yeah, yeah. So you've done more than right, just. Right, I uh, forgot about that right. too. Um, yeah, and I had made a little, um, uh, little voxel pod racer prototype, uh, which you couldn't go anywhere except for 
on this plane, mm-hmm. but you had a little smoke that came out of the back of your thing. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess I've mostly been doing just prototyping instead of working on a full game. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I guess I've been researching for stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah. So prototyping has gone well for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad that it, it's good going well mm-hmm. for some. I don't know. I guess I realized like over the year that like not all of your prototypes have to be shown to people. You could just be experimenting on your own. Yeah. Like like ske- like people have sketching notebooks and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they have little notebooks where they write down ideas and things, but they don't necessarily share them with people because it's not. They're not all relevant, and you might not want feedback on the thing because you might not want to continue the thing anymore yeah you just want to like mess with something to mess with something mm-hmm. so i think even in that episode i've i like my my thing has always been that i i trust myself a lot mm-hmm. for when to continue or to stop doing something and um and that's why playtesting has been so valuable because it can get me out of that mindset if i need to get out of it right but um in terms of prototypes like i kind of i'm kind of with you like it's okay to just try something and then speculate out and then trust yourself that like, nah, this will work or this won't yeah. and either keep going it or then decide to show it to people. And it, it's when you don't know and you need to, you want to get some opinion. It's just knowing when that those points are is kind of tricky. Yeah. Um, Plus like, I don't know, sometimes you just want to mess with something and you don't really want to go any further with it. So yeah. you, you, there shouldn't be any pressure to do that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't play test your games. <laughs> that's right. That's right. If you're yeah. working on something and you've been working on it for three months and you're like, this is going to be the next uh, Fez. I can't come up with a more recent term. Uh, <laughs> then pro- play it with people beforehand. That, yes. So do it. Yeah. If, if only for confirmation. Like yes. if, you, if you decide this is great, um, you know, that can get you only so far. <laughs> you, do, right, right, right. you do need to make sure you're not the only one who thinks so. Yes. Um, but Steven, you did a bunch of prototypes for this youth prize project that you've been part of with Glitch. I did. Right, this tell us the board game about, I was talking about. Yeah, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, um, so we um, we're working with youth players, and the youth players people they don't make games. They mm-hmm. are uh, trying to uh, the game specifically is to to teach kids, um, well, fourteen to eighteen year olds about uh, YPAR, which is youth youth participatory action research. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay, <laughs> uh, and. Um, uh, so what we 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 we've been making a bunch of different prototypes to try to teach people about that, but also the prototypes were meant to teach youth prize about game development. Yeah. So what we did is we like sat them down and we had them make prototypes within a few hours uh, to to so they had a better understanding of not only what game development is and how how it works, but also like what they want from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the prototypes that we made were like sort of to understand them better. Yeah. Which is an interesting way to use a prototype, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we also made a, like a whole bunch of different prototypes uh, ourselves that were actually meant toward, towards making the game, and we used other people's um, ideas and concepts in these ideas. Like it just helped us; it helped us get a better idea of what we want. So, like mm-hmm. that was what the use of the prototypes was: was yeah. to just get a better idea of what you want. And I played a couple of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like, and and then the idea was then you had this bunch of different. Totally different ideas, yeah. and then as a as the team, you then picked one to sort of move forward in the production. Yep, that's happened now. It has. You've got one that you're moving forward. Yes, with. and uh, it, we will be moving forward in production in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, date undisclosed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like you did a prototype that was based off of concept. Yes. Which is your favorite board game, mm-hmm. which is sort of a um, kind of charades, but with uh, pentagrams instead of performance. Yeah. That's probably the best way to describe it. And you put more of a structure. It's a very loose game. You're just, it's meant to, to sort of have fun. It's a party game. Right. But you sort of modified it completely so that 
um, you, you gave it a lot more rules and you gave it sort of like co-op strategy. And I thought you really had something there. Um, yeah, you weren't I, as hot on it, I guess. It's it it didn't work for the the. I didn't find a way to a good way to describe um, how to play the game. Yeah, I, I think I tried to put more structure on it than it needed. Mm. Um, but also, like, it kind of isn't the the structure kind of makes it less fun than concept. Kind of <laughs> rather would just play concept. Yeah, you love that game so much that the changes you made to it, you're like, but this isn't concept anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, it's a cool alternate thing that would be kind of nice. Yeah. To have. Yeah. I, I, in like six months, I'm going to be like, Steven, you should work on that again. <laughs> I like that. I like it a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, that was fun. I'm glad it, I, I, it felt different than concept. And that that's, that's what I liked about it is it oh, had okay. its own hook. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. And well, that's kind of what prototyping gives you is like, you, you find your way to it, mm-hmm. to something. And yeah. And then maybe you just like, no, I don't want to work on it anymore. Yep. But like, that's, that's how, you know, prototypes working and you're not just like, you know, goofing around. Right. 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 Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's the next topic? <laughs> Steven's all done with this one. <laughs> so what's the message we want to say with this show? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my topic. Uh, uh, I did uh, messages and meanings. This is from uh, We're Artists and We Should Be Artists. That sounds like my quote. Mm-hmm. Um, from It's episode 15. Uh, this was March 13th, 2017. I, I really thought that was more recent than this. I no, that's it, pretty old. It's a, a lot. <laughs> it repeats a lot of the older ones. Yeah, um, we've done some. This is episode fifty-seven. This one. Oh yeah, so many of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually the. Um, I think this was. Uh, just, looking at it, it was very close to the prototyping one. And I was like, wow, there's only there's five episodes between because that's when we went to GDC and did a bunch of episodes right. from GDC. Oh um, right, yeah. Anyway, um, it, it, the idea, and I've talked about on the show before that I'm I'm an advocate for the voice of the author, and I want. I want games to have a point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it, that that's it's that is they don't have to, I guess, but the, the games I like are the games that have a point. And um, you can go back and listen to me uh, blather on about it. I don't. I've talked to you guys when we were picking these. I don't know how well good of a job I did as trying to. I still felt like it was a cool talk. Okay, because yeah. I was here for it. Maybe but. I'm just self conscious about that idea because I feel like I feel like I'm always I'm always thinking about it, and I don't, and not everybody else is, and so I feel like I'm I feel like I'm fighting people with that. And mm. and but I think that's just something I'm putting on myself. Um, I mean, I remember we got in an argument over whether Portal had a point. Well, no, I said a thing and I was wrong. But actually, that leads into the first thing I want to talk about here, which is Super Mario Odyssey, which is a game that I'm really into now. And Martha, you just started. <laughs> and uh, I love that game. I think everything about it is fantastic, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really meet my criteria of having any point. Um, and I don't, and, and maybe I'm being too like literal with that, but, um, it has this great, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a coda at the end of the game that has a great, it actually does say something interesting. It's a small thing, but it's really cool. And, um, but for the most part, it's all, and it's very, it's very Nintendo thing, gameplay first. And it has this travel theme, you know, Odyssey, travel the world, but it's really thin. There's not, it's, it's a, it doesn't. I don't feel like I'm traveling. I it, disagree. Yeah, but completely. I, but it's like I play Super Mario Three and I yeah. go from like giant world to pipe world. That's no different from going no, from Metro Kingdom to Lake Kingdom. Like no, it's, it's complete. Okay. Well, okay. So I'm biased. We'll, we'll probably talk about it a little bit in the uh, uh-huh. in the, the next topic because I went into it before. But I'm sort of into Super Mario lore, which is a weird statement to say because oh, that's barely right. any lore. Mm-hmm. But like I was really I was really it was really cool to be able to go to all these kingdoms and stuff and they all have their own things. In the travel guide when you open it up, there's like little details. I should I read love more that. of those. Yeah. Yeah. Those so, are so like, cool. There's little details in the all in all of these different kingdoms and stuff. And I find that really interesting. I, I did say I loved I 
I love that the mini the map is a fold out like travel agent map yeah. that you got at a crazy cap shop. Yeah. Like, all that it's so charming. Like mm-hmm. it has the Nintendo polish. It's all really great. It just didn't feel like it amounted to much to me. Mm. Like it doesn't seem like it was saying much other than like this is Mario, but the trap but he's traveling. Like instead of just warping from world to world. Well, I mean, it's not saying anything about travel, to be no. fair. And then and like think- it, it's under no obligation to, yeah. right? Um, but it got me thinking about like the, the games I like the most yeah. are, are the ones that have a point. Certainly the games I want to make, I want to have a point to it. Mm-hmm. But and I, I think I did touch on this in that episode. It's like, you know, I, I don't want it. I don't want anyone to like be like putting out their opus, right? It's yeah. not, I don't want games don't have to change the world or a game doesn't have to change the world. Right. But I feel like you have to have when you're making it, mm-hmm. I think that well, I say have to, but like take that with a grain of salt. Like I feel like you have to have a direction of your own. You, it, it's, it's not just find the fun. I think a lot of people really are about that. And I mm. think that that seems like, well, there's so many games and they're all so fun. I don't yeah. know what you're adding I by brought, just I mean, making another fun game. I brought it up in another, oh, a few episodes back where yeah. like games don't just have to be fun. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. the, the fun is just one part of the, the media and it's, it's an important part because of the interactivity. I'm not going to like say that like games are too fun these days. But <laughs> <laughs> Darn you kids and your fun. But games. I, th- I think about Mario Odyssey and I'm yeah. like, well, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the meaning in it is about the play and about the types of games that can exist in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at, the, at this wedding I was at, someone was asking me like, hey, uh, uh, I, you're into video games. Do you get that switch? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, what games do you play on it? You get Zelda. I'm like, yeah, and I'm playing Mario. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm getting that for my kid. But then I want to play it too. And I'm like, yep, that's what Nintendo is. Like, that's it. I mean, everybody knows that about Nintendo. But the idea that, um, you know, games can be for everyone, I think is pretty important. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, like, is that, is that enough to, to me? I don't know. I'm trying to like, trying to hold my theory together. Do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I guess like, I think the, what, what Super Mario means a lot of times is just like pure joy. Uh, yeah, particularly those kinds of games like Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, those are just supposed to be fun little worlds that you can in, or run around in and have and enjoy and things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of like Super Mario Odyssey after I uh, finished the uh, the main story is because I can't spoil things because it just came out. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, it feels weird to not want to spoil Super Mario story right. stuff. <laughs> also, Martha's here though, so and she's playing it. Yeah, so, what, how, what do you think? <laughs> just so what why are you not excited about playing mario what's the deal here well because i told everyone on the podcast that i don't like mario so now i'm like going well, back on my brand if i'm like yeah i really like mario it's really fun and i only played one level now i really want to buy it <laughs> and um it's the best uh-huh. yeah well we're all contradicting ourselves this entire episode so. yeah. <laughs> we're all gro- we're all growing as individuals yes right growing <laughs> we're learning to hate prototypes not care about meanings and love mario <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god it's true (laughs) like mega nice games club yeah yeah i know i think i guess the the sort of thing i'm getting to is i'm i'm refined i I haven't changed my feelings on this i'm just trying to refine how i express it because um uh, because i do and a lot of it is from the conversations with the game makers when they talk about like what they want to put in a game and why i'm always asking them why what's the point why why are you doing that and they're like "Mm." and i'm like and it might just be that they are not expressing it right not that not that i've caught them or something and not Mm. having a point but um, I'm always looking for a language to talk about this sort of thing. Why does this exist and why should I be engaging with it other than just a pastime, other than it just being fun? Because I, I, like, I want to use every minute of my life for something important, I guess. Since so That's stupid. not a bad thing to say, though. Like, I know. I mean, because you only live on this earth for so long. Yeah. So every minute you should 
do. You should like right. spend things enjoying things. And if that helps you enjoy things and you get more out of the content, then yeah. I think that's yeah. important. And I think a lot, that's probably a lot of why I don't play. Like I'll play, I play a lot of games. I don't play as many games as other people mm. play. And sometimes I feel self-conscious about it, but I'm like, no, I, I do choose to not play a lot of games. Like I'll, I will, I'll, I'll play no games for like a month or two because there's nothing that like is worth the time I want to give it. Yeah. And, um, which isn't to say, I, I mean, if I played something, I would decide, you know, I, I don't know until I play it, I guess. But, um, I have a standard that's a little higher. And I, I guess I'm just coming to terms with that and not being ashamed of it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But one of the, the other things I wanted to mention in this is, um, something that I, I heard at MDev. Um, there was a, a narrative, uh, panel where a bunch of people talked about like uh, the types of stories you tell in games that are you know like an uncharted style where you have uh, Nathan Drake and you have uh, him acting in the cutscenes. Yeah. And even when you're in the pl- in playing, uh, the character will emote in a way that is not what the player is doing. It's just sort of part of the thing. And then you have like sandbox games or you have games like Mass Effect where you bring so much of your own character to it. We've talked about this on the show before, but one of the things I found missing from that panel was the or, or what I think we were a little too dogmatic about is about the user agency and user stories and how. When I play a game, I want games with strong characters. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will then, I'll, they will do what I tell them to do, right? And so, yeah. and so that's my user story. But like if, um, I think about the, I'm not sure if I'm explaining the counter example enough, but I think about when you watch like an action movie mm-hmm. and you see like, you know, the action hero um, run through the hallway shooting a bunch of dudes. This is a terrible example, but like something, <laughs> something that's exciting and tension. Yeah, or let's sure. say, you know, there's a collapsing bridge and they're trying to run off of it or some act, big action scene in a Marvel movie or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you as the viewer are the one in, you're engaging with this media. You are not scared. You are not afraid for your life. You are smiling. It's exciting. It's fun. So I, I think games, when people talk about games, when they do that, they, because um, one of the things, uh, I think Warren Spector actually said it. And so I'm like, I guess I'm going against him now, but um, he said in the panel, like, you know, if someone is, is uh, I have no idea what the player is feeling. Mm-hmm. So I can't make the character feel it uh, as they're going through, because then that supersedes the player's feelings. And I think that is just wrong. Yeah. I think that's totally wrong. I think that when you, I, I would love to see more, because they talk about, um, they talked about like when you hire actors, as games get better and better and more cinematic, there's less of the gaps that have to be filled in by the user, which means they have to be filled by the creator, which means they're not there to be filled by the user anymore. And they're, they're all lamenting that. Someone was saying, yeah, when we hire voice actors for main characters, we have to tell them to deliver the lines pretty flat. Because the the player needs to do the like um, think of Shepard in Mass Effect, right? You know the, the voice act. There's two voice actors, male, female, and, but there's just one of each, right? There's not they don't do variations, and yet you can do you can play it in different ways, and you have different feelings as you go through. And they talk about how when you cast those voice actors, you have to make sure they don't they're not too strong a character to supersede what the player wants to do. And I think that's a I think that's bad. I think that's a bad uh, mo- attitude. Well. It's like the ingenue in a play. Like they yeah. usually have the most boring part because you're supposed to, like the audience is supposed to identify with them. And then everyone else is the character actors who get to be big and, and, and right, right. react to everything that's right, happening. The audience proxy becomes the one. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so that, that's a standard, that's a, a trope. That yeah, exists. actually that's very funny because this is related to Super Mario. Mario has like no personality, right? He's just happy. Yes, and yeah. He jumps high. And is a plumber, except maybe <laughs> not really a plumber. In the, in the newest one, he does like little funny things while you're walking around. Like, like he'll like be like, "Oh my gosh, it's really hot." Oh yeah, or like <laughs> I don't know. Right. See, I would say that's an example of the opposite. I mean, Martha's touched on it. Uh-huh. Is that he has tons of character. Uh, well, okay. I guess he expresses human emotions. But what's like most people? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. no I, I've got something here uh-huh. because what's nice about it is you think like 
everyone has own problems you have to solve. And, uh, and so there's little mini, mini plots, but the whole time he's wahooing his way through the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And what that does is that gives you as the player agency to explore because Mario is having a great time. And so I think that is important, right? Because it's, it's, uh, how him, and I mean, you're, you're like frustrated by, you know, like falling off the thing for the 30th time yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and like, but Mario is still having a great time the whole way. And I think that's what I want to see. And so maybe, I mean, I guess, I guess that that's, that's what lets Mario, uh, 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 pass my test is that it actually does have that relation and it has that, that, uh, that point mm. to it. Um, whereas a lot of games they do, they, their characters are ciphers so that you can map onto them. Yeah. And I think that and that's that, what mass effect, that's what the mass effect character. And I've is. never, I never liked Shepard as a character. Yeah. You're I, not supposed to, but why not? Like, I mean, you're supposed to like the character you've made as Shepard as a character. That's a weird statement. Yeah. But none of that's in the game. It's all on my couch. Right, exactly. Yeah, but it should be. Well, I think there's room for both. Because, like, Destiny. It's a continuum, for sure. Yeah. yeah, Because in Destiny, your character literally doesn't talk and someone talks for you the whole time. Um, But I still really like my character. Yeah. Like, she's really cool and badass. But don't you have the same, like, dance emotes? Right. You have, like, an array of dance emotes, right? Yes. But what if you, like, my character doesn't dance or my character dances a different way? Well, you don't have that emote, right? You only have the ones they give you. Well, you can earn new ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we won't get into that. But, like, um, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's developers have no choice but to make choices for the player. And I think the less they try to, that I I think they're just, like, dodging something. Well, my counter example would be, like, Borderlands, where you're playing a character. I talk about all the time. Um, <laughs> but you're playing like actual characters who have feelings and stuff that aren't necessarily the, your feelings. Right. And you do the same motions, whether you're whichever character, but they'll, their voice lines will re- reveal how they're feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Like while you're playing Nisha, she's like, like something bad happens, but she's like, whatever, I just shoot all the people. It's fine. <laughs> they were dumb anyway. <laughs> Whereas if you're playing, um, uh, Athena, she's like, I feel like very, conflicted about this because i'm a good person but mm-hmm. i'm still doing it because it's for the greater good i think but i'm yeah. not sure but like it's the same exact motions that you're doing uh-huh. yeah um but so you I get to like experience that. two different characters yeah, well because it, it gives you it gives the player some option and some agency but it also lets the author define the space that you play in in a way that isn't like i think that just the more open-ended you make it this the less the less choices you give the player right then the player has to do not the work but they have to like find the meaning of it and then it or make their own meaning. I, I mean, I guess, but like, I you, mean, but what I'm saying is that yeah. you can still do that. Like, that's uh-huh. not that's not when you you can still make a ton of choices for the player. You can give the main character that, like, let's say you have the, it's a character creator that can be whatever they want. Yeah. But then that voice actor is like a has a total personality. Like that seems like at odds, but like that's fine. You, the, I find that at odds. You think so? <laughs> Very much at odds. Yeah, because yeah. like if I'm making, I don't know, like let's let's one of the reasons why I don't want to play Fallout Four is because they have a voice in that. Yeah. And so like. I play Skyrim all the time and I've talked about it on the show plenty. Uh, I, in fact, spent yesterday just modding Skyrim. That is yeah. the only thing I did the <laughs> entire day. Uh, Sweet, <laughs> productive Saturday. Woo! <laughs> um, but, like, the cut, like, I looked into Fallout 4 a little bit and, like, there's no, like, voices or anything. You can't, like, customize your own voices or anything because right. they made, they had a voice actor yeah. and that voice actor says the thing, the lines and stuff. Yeah. And it makes me not want to play the game as much because I can't create my own character and, like, like make have them have their own story, right? Like right. often, and in fact, that is the issue I have with Skyrim, where like they are, like they have an overarching story. You're supposed to be Dovahkiin. What if you don't want to be the the Dragonborn? What if you just want to be a regular person? That's exactly my point. Is okay. they make some choices for you? Well, yeah, 
it's either, but they, but then they don't make some choices for you. Uh-huh. So why not just make all the choices for you? Like, I mean, not all, you know what I mean? Like you can still decide what to do and you uh-huh. and style how you well, play and everything. But like, I, I, that, what I'm saying is you're coming up against exactly the sort of like, uh, the little like sizzle point between those points of like, they leave things open-ended and they promise you an open-ended story, but you're like, well, I don't want to play this dragonborn. Yeah. And it's like, well, they made that choice for you. Right. But they, but they, they gave you a game where they tell you, you can be anyone you want. Yes. But they, you can't. Well, you could be anyone you want as long as you decide to be the Dragonborn as well. <laughs> exactly. But you could just ignore the story, and I still haven't beaten the main story. In well, Skyrim. see, then that's the point. Then, like that, that's, they've then the game has lost some, uh, like it's lost, it lost some value, right? I don't agree. With that. It still has plenty. It has plenty of other value. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that. No, I, I, I'm yeah. not. Su- I'm not suggesting there's a solution to this problem, or that, yeah. that people should stop making open-ended games. Yeah. I'm saying that the nature of those open-ended games, where you do give a lot of canvas to the player, mm-hmm. has a ton of drawback that I don't think is talked about. I think they're both valid and it both depends on your motivations as a, as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was thinking about um, GTA, which is another game when you're online, you get to be whoever you want to be and then you don't have a voice. As long as you're a criminal. Well, I mean, there's also the guy who went through the game, but as a, as a pacifist. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all he could do is races mostly, but yeah. I'm just saying that there's value in both sides of it. Yeah. And I guess I see what you're saying, Mark, where open-ended isn't necessarily as open-ended as people think it is. Mm-hmm. But then if you make it too open-ended, you're literally just in a sandbox. Right. Like, so. And some players want that, but then they, I think they, they. It's just a different game at that point. Yeah, I think so there's, each a, there's one's a, a different no, game. There's some mm-hmm. structure that's needed for a, for the a sandbox part of it to be fun. Right. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think that um, a lot of, a lot of developers are lamenting the fact that like they have to make some of these choices and it's better to let the player decide. And I feel like that is a, I don't know if that's the greatest. I attitude. think that, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that there's a hard and fast rule to this. I would yeah. say that with certain, if you're trying to make a game where the player is supposed to make a bunch of choices and stuff, design the game, basically just know what the heck you're trying to make. Yeah. When yeah. You're making a game. <laughs> right. It kind of always comes back to yeah. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. That's a great like note to end this yeah. topic on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to this when I'm when I have my head even clearer about it. <laughs> right. Might take a, a longer than it did this last time. <laughs> we have to uh, work on your strategy. Ooh. For- oh man. Oh man, you are on fire today. <laughs> <laughs> so the last topic today is strategy guides, which is from Will You Be the Best with Me, episode eight. Yeah, oh, wow. that's an early old. one. This is a vintage Nice Games Club <laughs> from January 23rd, 2017. It's aged well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, a, like a fine wine. <laughs> I remember this topic because it was a lot of fun to do. It yeah. was so much fun, and that's why I picked it mostly. I don't have much to say on it, but I just love it. loved it so much. Remember that listener when you listened to this topic and it was fun? <laughs> yeah, just turn this episode off. Go back to episode eight. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I have a, like, as I said in that episode, I have a really, like, fond memories of strategy guides when I was a kid, because I bought strategy guides first before I got video games, uh, and so played the book as if it was the game, Um, and that was really a good time, uh, and I'm sort of nostalgic for that, like, I've, so I've been playing Stardew Valley on the Switch, which is a very different experience than playing on PC, because on PC I could just, um, alt tab out of the game and go on <laughs> to Firefox and find all the answers on the wiki of uh-huh. what 
thing I need to give this person to give the most hearts or whatever. Um, but on the Switch, I have to like experiment because it's... <laughs> you have to do what the game intended you to do. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm using my screen uh-huh. as, you know, my one screen I have set up as the Switch's screen, not the computer's screen. So then I could go on my phone, but the wiki is not really optimized for phones very well. Right. And it's just a lot of work. So <laughs> I have to do trial and error. And it's a very different experience. And I th- feel like I've just been like, I want a paper, like Farmer's Almanac for Stardew Valley. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other reason I thought about this was because um, we've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 as well, mm-hmm. um, which is a uh, fun suitor game where you're trying to save the galaxy. Um, and it seems like there's everyone I've been playing with a lot of my friends uh, and we've been talk like talk on Discord um, online so that we can play it all together. And it seems like everyone there's like this misinformation vortex around mm. the game because mm. everyone's like, oh wait, wait, no, you shouldn't do those missions because you got to wait till you're light level two sixty because because other- otherwise you like the drops you get won't be as good. And then someone else will be like, no, 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 like I just read this thing that said that you could totally do them now because you can like it won't matter you Mm -hmm. can just level those things up later oh wait no but i read that you couldn't level them up unless like no one knows what's going on (laughs) and i've like gotten like lots and lots of different um like pieces of information about what you should do to optimize your experience and so and i think there are like things out there to go read but uh it's been making me wish that there were paper guides again. Yeah. Just a definitive, this is right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, even strategy guides got it wrong sometimes. True. Uh, like there was this, there was a Super Smash Brothers Melee guide and it said that you could get Ditto and Ditto would like copy um, another character and then fight for you. Oh or my with you. God. And it was so cool. And me and my brother spent hours trying to get Ditto and Ditto's not in the game. It was like that. Was that just misinformation? It or? was just it was just wrong, and I think they had like Ditto might have been in the game. I'm just like, why? Time. Why would you write that unless you were trying to trick people? Well, I I don't know. <laughs> I think I th- I'm pretty sure like that Ditto was maybe supposed to be in there. Oh, and okay. Just, At some point, and then it just didn't got get rid taken of it. But it just didn't get they they didn't get the notification or whatever. <laughs> um, and so yeah, me and my brother spent forever trying to get that <laughs> get Ditto to show up, and we just it never happened. Uh, I bet there's a lot of people who like, you know, use a strategy guide, like a Bible to a game and, yeah. then, and get kind of burned by it's like tiny errata. Yeah. You know, there was like uh, one of the Donkey Kong Country two. I have two Donkey Kong Country strategy guides, or maybe I have three of them. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, one of contest. Them- <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, you have no. that many more than I have, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the, one of the guy- strategy guys is missing an item. So I had to go to the other strategy guide to find that. Uh-huh. Item. Because I noticed, like, I would get to the end of the level, I'm like, hey, I don't have all the DK coins or whatever it was. And I had to go to another strategy guys to get it. So sometimes they're wrong, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And nowadays, the games change so fast right? if they get patched and stuff like that. Right, right. Like, I think the Stardew Valley wiki is still wrong as to where Abigail is um, some days mm-hmm. because on the Switch, like, the new update changed where she walked. Um, and so I, Dylan's gotten so frustrated because he was like, where is Abigail? <laughs> like literally every day is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe there, yeah, maybe there's not as um, good of a place for like paper strategy guides in this day and age. I mean, that's just a, I think that's a consequence of publishing and the normal reasons why there aren't paper. A lot of things. Yeah. Right? It's no phone book for the same reason. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, the, the, but you know, sometimes, yeah, right. Like not, not all your screens are powered up all the time, right? True. Well, I'll write my own Farmer's Almanac to Stardew Valley. And <laughs> yeah, someone's got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Release it as a zine or yeah. something. You know, so I'm mentioning it again, my brother's wedding this weekend. Um, I, I forgot, I didn't have an undershirt. I didn't bring it with me. And he got married downtown Minneapolis and there's a Target just a couple blocks away. So I'm like, I'll just go there and grab a shirt there. Mm-hmm. So I was there and I had actually some time. So I just want to run a little bit. And <laughs> there's a Super Mario Odyssey strategy guide. Oh, snap. A printed one. Oh, what? man. That they have made. Martha, that might be up your alley because you just started that game. Oh my god! 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 Oh my god, oh my god. I think pro- I'm so think- glad that you're excited about Super Mario. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Don't want our listeners to hear. Uh, I think Prima made it because they make everything uh, that's still around. But yeah, and I was like, I was this close to buying it. it. It's just that I was like, that was not what I was there for. Also, if you buy that game, you're cheating, and then I officially win. How many moves do you have? <laughs> I have. Oh, uh, geez, I don't know. I haven't played recently. Uh-huh. I spent all day yesterday. No excuses. Terms. How many? How many <laughs> moves do you have? I got like I have over five hundred. Okay. Over I think over I got 5, over five <laughs> thousand. Not quite that many. I think I got over six hundred uh, recently. Okay, I have five eighty five. Okay, so I am catching up. Dang it! I, 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 I beat the game. Uh huh. And then I so I haven't gone. I have not gone. Yeah. To all the kingdoms. What? What do you mean you haven't gone on all the kingdoms? Uh, spoilers. Oh, never mind. Okay. So, and I, I'm just saying, maybe my strategy of slow rolling it might, we'll, we'll see. It's less fun, though. We'll see. Well, well <laughs> once, we, once we declare this silly contest over, yes. at least to a point, we should check to see how many hours we each put into it. Okay. Yeah. Because it's probably similar, but it, at, who knows? One might be way more than the other once mm-hmm. we get there. I have no idea. And then we'll do an efficiency rating. One of us could still win. Well, yes, exactly, that's exactly right. <laughs> okay. You, you know me well. <laughs> Well, that sounds fine. But I thought of that because I, there's a section uh, near the end of the game where I got a ton. You might even say, no, I'm not even going to spoil it. But I got many, many stars uh-huh. uh, in one area. Yeah. And so it hugely bumped up my number. And I was like, maybe I'm like, I should I should ask Steven. How, how close am I getting? <laughs> it's like getting giddy about it. Oh, great. You started this. This is not my fault. Yeah, I know. It's, it's on me. Well, but, I got to end it. Yeah, Martha, you got to get that strategy guide because then you can just outpace us all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheating for the win. Yeah. Um, well, we play by our rules. You play by yours. And, yeah. we, and we all win at the same standard, I guess. Yeah. Not fair, but that's how it works. Yeah. That's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Does that kind of close out this anniversary show? Yep. Right. Thank yep. you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, I did want to, before we like really close it off, I want to do a quick like meta at the end here to talk a little bit about what's coming up for the show. So oh, maybe yeah. future plans. We have, we talked a little bit about this. We have we a uh, little bit of behind the scenes. We meet every month to sort of you know plan out the topics for the next month. See if there's anything we need to do. Do some you know business, a clubhouse business. It's and, a business, and uh, <laughs> it's you know it's where we come up with new formats when we have them. Um, and one of the things we definitely want to do is we want to start getting uh, Martha and Stephen doing intros and yes. start like uh, switching up a little bit of how we do it. And I'm kind of excited because. That's kind of what I've always wanted. <laughs> well, we've done that a little bit already. We're doing two topics. That's, that's actually, and that's, that's a big part of it, is uh-huh. that we've gone from three topics to two topics. And part of that is because we talk longer now, right, than we used to. And so, um, you know, we've had, we've had 90 minute episodes, and that's great. And this is a 90 minute episode, or it's getting up to it. Well, um, <laughs> it's a special case. Yeah, that's fine. We had six topics. We're very yeah. efficient. Yeah. Um, but we've been doing two topics, and I think that's worked out really well because we can put a little bit more energy into each one. And it all, but um, we, you know, I think the concern was is then someone sits out. Uh-huh. So that person is going to MC uh, future episodes. So we're going to start doing that pretty soon. 
Uh, so get excited for that. I'm really excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, we're just going to keep trucking. Like we, you know, like I said, we, we haven't got as much feedback, uh, nice games that club such feedback as we want, um, which is why we have to keep saying it. But the feedback we've gotten has been really positive. I, we've been uh, so thankful to listeners who have contacted us, who have talked to us in person, um, who've helped us with topics on Reddit. Who've been on the show. Who's been on the yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. Like our guests, like we do a guest a month and uh, it's, it's not the easiest thing, but like the people who, you know, but it's not that hard either. Right. To get people like um, buy you dinner. We, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Our last guest was like, oh my, you buy me dinner because <laughs> we've never said it on the show, but that is right. So if you want to be a guest on our show, it's free dinner for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we're just going to keep on trucking. Yeah. Right. Choo choo. Wait, that's not a tra- truck. It wouldn't That's be a nice dragon. games without no! a mixed metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> All over the. Uh, but I also want to thank the people who helped us sort of get this going. The people at Glitch, Ava, Nick, and Katie Yay! have been mm-hmm. really fantastic. A huge supporter of us. They give us the space. They give us the time. They give us their attention to let us do this at Glitch. Um, it is. It's there. Are, there are things you need to keep a regular podcast going. You need discipline. You need a plan. You need equipment. You need a wonderful co-hosts, but you need like the sort of a stable environment. And we, we get that from glitch yeah. and they've been helpful for us to help find guests to get. And they're just a wonderful like uh, place in this community. And they're responsible for so much. And a little bit of what they're responsible for is making nice games club exist. Mm-hmm. So thanks to them. Yeah. Um, all right. And with that, that is our show. And that is our year. We've got another one coming up and many more after that, I hope. Uh, maybe we'll release a game next year. Maybe. Maybe we'll argue some more. Maybe we'll finally talk about free-to-play. No. Wait. Uh, forbidden topic. Mark. I'm just saying, <laughs> no one knows what the future holds. <laughs> uh, least of all us. Uh, yeah. But that is our show. If you have not already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. Uh, let's see if we can get some more listeners in the new year as well. Yeah. Um, of course, the feedback form again. Guys, what's that feedback form? I forgot already. Nicegames.club slash feedback. Thank you, Martha. Uh, we want to hear directly from you, of course. So follow us on Twitter and all the other things. Steven, where can they do that? At Nice Games Club. That's right. Let us know how we're doing. Send us your topics and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find out more about the show in your nice house as well as get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. And so until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. I don't know what else to talk about. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.